I will read uh, from verses 1 to 11. Just follow with your eyes. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. The elders which are among you, I exhort, who are also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucker, but of a ready mind. Neither is as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And with the chief, um, and with the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may insult you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who had called you as um, who had called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Our Father in heaven, bless this passage of scripture. Help us, Lord, to um, gain that uh, joy in our hearts upon uh, reading, upon uh, reading your word and understanding them. Lord, I pray that uh, you will speak to us through, through your Holy Spirit. And I pray, O oh God, that you will guide me and help me also as I deliver your word to your people. Bless all of us this morning. Give us victory in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Our adversary, well, that's our focus this morning. Uh, we have an adversary which is called the devil. And again, um, it is not new to us uh, to experience to have such kind of um, conflict, such kind of uh, opposition, yeah, whether you, you are in your workplace, or whether you are in the church, or whether you are in the home, uh, at whatever relationship you have, sometimes you will experience adversary. You will experience this um, um, animosity. But again, this one is uh, one of the ultimate um, adversary, perhaps, that we can have. Because this talks about the enemy, the devil, the spiritual enemy, the enemy of God. So here, this morning, we are going to see this because uh, this is an important, you know, uh, aspect. Uh, because this hinders us. This hampers our work, our work with the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's just not proper for us to understand this, um, this enemy that we have. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 7, um, in verse number 25, um, speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, that He is able also to save them to the uttermost that come to God by Him, seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them. We have a Savior. You and I that are saved today, uh, if you have uh, experienced that uh, meeting with the Lord Jesus Christ at the time of our salvation, we bow our head and we, we close our eyes and we pray to the Spirit. We pray to God to come into our life to forgive us of our sins. 
And at that time, the Lord Jesus Christ said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. In that moment of our salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ entered into our life and we become children of God. We become sons of God. And he is our Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ is our great Savior who is able to save us to the uttermost. And this salvation is full and free. This salvation is, you know, um, paid for uh, by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we praise the Lord for that. And we can never stop uh, our mouth from praising the Lord. Lord, thank you for the salvation. Thank you, Lord, that um, I was once a sinner. Now I came. Pardon to receive from my Lord. And that is what we receive from Him. We do not, you know, um, we do not um, deserve anything of good things coming from God. But because of His mercy, He just gave us that um, good things that we receive. Now, while we understand that we have a great Savior, we also have an enemy. We have an enemy, and this enemy is a powerful adversary. He is called the demon, who Apostle Peter described this uh, person in our text as a roaring lion. He is a roaring lion. This enemy we know is Satan, as mentioned in many different parts of the scripture, and from the Old Testament all the, all the way to the uh, New Testament, he is always mentioned. That means he existed you know, from the beginning of this world until now. So he must be around 6,000 years old. So he knows a lot of things because he's older than us. So this enemy, uh, we know, uh, mentioned in many parts of the scripture. Uh, one is from Job. Um, there are so many, but I will just select you. One is Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1, verse number 12. Job chapter 1, verse number 12. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that we have is in thy is in thy power. <clears throat> Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So the Lord, you know, restricted the, uh, the enemy, or restricted Satan, the demon, to completely destroy Job. He is allowed to destroy all his property and, and everything. The Lord allowed him, but to a certain degree or to a certain limit. So that, that shows us that our God is more powerful than him. But here you can see, God said, Behold, all that, that, that he had is in thine power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. And in the New Testament, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 8. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 8. And then shall the wicked be revealed. Uh, what I understood in this word wicked here, a capital W, uh, that refers to the coming um, Antichrist. Right now, we do not know who is this Antichrist. Right now, we have speculation, uh, speculations about who is this man. Perhaps before we thought it's Obama. Uh, before, and some people thought that, oh, this, this must be, this must be the, uh, the president of uh, Ukraine. We do not know. We just speculate. But this man will be revealed in the coming days. We do not know when. But when this man will be revealed, the whole thing will be changed. 
So and when and then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy uh, with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders. Now here, in First Peter chapter one or chapter five, in our text, in verse number eight, Apostle Peter refers to this person as an adversary, the roaring lion, the devil. But now it is really important that we understand who is this devil, who the devil is, and what he does, and how he works. Because this man, uh, this Satan, waged war against the saints. He waged war against God, and I know that he cannot win against God, but we are right there in the middle, and we are, we are the ones that you know, he is uh, he oppressed because he's more powerful than us. In this world, as Christians today, we have this hostility. We are in this um, uh, in the middle of this war between good and evil. And embedded in our position in Christ is that animosity against Satan. Whether you like it or not, even, even though you are the most friendly Christian in the world, Satan doesn't befriend you. Yep. He will not. Because deep within him is his hatred of uh, God's creation and hatred against God. So here, Peter warned, that, uh, warned us that the adversary was on this war, war path 6,000 years ago and until today. He, he spoke about uh, this um, demon in verse number 8 in our text in 1 Peter chapter 5. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the demon, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. In verse number 9, he said, Whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Now, while we, we, we have this enemy, we praise the Lord for verse number 10. Verse number 10. But the God of all grace. You see, we have our God, which um, believers would prove to be sufficient to make all of us strong, to make all of us firm and steadfast then. Yep. It is only God's favor. It is yep. only God's working in our life that we can overcome this enemy. Yep. Now, who exactly is our adversary? Who exactly is our adversary? His name is the devil. He's a real person. The problem today, many think of Satan as a mythical monster. And therefore, they speak of him lightly. They do not consider him a serious threat. They're just thinking that uh, he's just an imagination because they have no experience of him. But again, I would say, no Christian should ever do this. Do not ever think that this enemy is harmless. Because Satan is the most harmful uh, creation. He's the most harmful person. He's the arch enemy of God. And he destroyed many lives. If you, I'll just give you one example. In Acts chapter 5, verse number 3. Acts chapter 5, verse number 3. You see here, Peter.
Peter said, and but Peter said, Ananias, why had Satan filled that heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Now, this is a simple, perhaps in our view, simple conversation, but this is, you know, deadly. Because you see, Peter here, I, I read it in a, in a way that is that is a normal tone, but I believe Peter in this instance was very angry. Peter in this instance was upset. He doesn't want anyone to die. He doesn't want anyone, you know, to, to blaspheme God or to 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 to, uh, to trick God. But that is exactly what Ananias did. But that is not the point. The point here, here Ananias was destroyed. In this instance, Ananias was destroyed. <coughs> Why? Because Satan. The Bible says, fill his heart to lie to the Holy Spirit. The enemy here has done this time and time again. It is Satan who, you know, um, um, convinced Ananias to lie to the Holy, to the, to the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> and this enemy has done this many times before. And even Satan made this or, or did this also to Adam and Eve. They, he wanted Adam and Eve to take the word of God lightly. And they just did. And the result of that, they ended up handing the entire earth to Satan's control because they listened to Satan. And in fact, it was just Eve to listen to Satan. So Satan, the devil, is a real person. The devil also is a powerful person. He is a powerful person. Apostle Peter tells us that he goes about as a roaring lion. Verse number 8 in our text. As a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. He's powerful. He roars. He intimidates. He is proud. He shows his power and he's powerful. But thank God that he is not almighty. Amen. It is our God yep. who is almighty. And we praise the Lord for that. And we praise the Lord that uh, Satan's days are numbered. Yep. Satan is going to be finished soon. And so are those people who sided with him. That's a sad thing. I wonder which side are you? Which side are you on? Because in this world there are, there are just two sides. There are just two sides. Whether you are on the side of God or on the side of the enemy. So the devil is a powerful person and he's also an active person. He's active. He walks about. He walks about with his schemes and his maneuvers. All, all his strategies, but all of those are diabolical. It's devilish. And he is behind the drama of um, the world events. And he is active in the churches. And he is active in the lives of men and women. You can tell because when you do something for God, the moment you decide in yourself, the moment you come to the altar and, and talk to the Lord and 
pour your spirit unto the Lord, pour your um, you know, uh, um, heart unto the Lord, then Satan will always do something to stop you. That's right. When you do something for God, expect Satan to resist you. Because he's active. And he walks about to promote his agenda in this world. Zechariah, just, just for an example here. Zechariah chapter 3 verse number 1. Zechariah chapter 3 verse number 1. And he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. And notice the next phrase. And Satan, just like whatever Joshua was doing there, uh, talking to God, pleading for God, and asking God for, for, to make a decision for the Lord. We do not know what he was uh, doing there, but right there beside him, Satan jumped in, ready to resist Every time you do something for God, Satan is ready to resist. He will try to stop you. He will try to take you down. That's his working. Notice also in 1 Timothy chapter 4 or chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse number 14. Bible says, I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, Give not occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Verse 15. For some are already turned aside after Satan. Satan is really a powerful person. The devil is real. He's active. And also the devil and his activities are just holy evil. Just pure evil. He's very subtle. The Apostle Peter tells us here in, in our text, in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8, that um, in fact, the entire Bible will, will reveal this person. He was revealed here as a roaring lion. And also in other parts of the scripture, he was revealed as an angel of light. He can pretend to be an angel of light. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 13. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 13, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. He's, he has the power to, you know, he's very good in, uh, as a um, um, copycat. He's very good in um, uh, faking things. The real things of God. He can he can build a church. Satan can 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 form a, a religious group. He's very good in uh, mimicking what God is doing. But again, we must be aware of this person. We must be aware of the working of Satan. In our verse here, from verse number eight. And verse number 9, Apostle Peter <coughs> says that we must be on our guard. We must be um, um, on our guard and stand up to resist this enemy. Yeah. Be sober, be yeah. vigilant. We have to uh, stand up to him. Yeah. And James chapter 4 verse number 7, James chapter 4 verse number 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. 
Now, here in our Bible, Satan is revealed to have employed several methods in you know applying this to different kinds of um, circumstances or different kinds of uh, group or individuals. The devil here employed um, several things, uh, employed against the believers, and he also does this uh, approach to certain unbelievers. Now it's very interesting to note the devil's method with the unsaved. He has a, you know, a specific approach. If the person is unsaved, he has an approach. How to destroy, how to um, um, to hold this person captive. As we think about unbelievers, as we think about people who are uh, who, who, who are not saved, my friend, we are talking about multitudes. We are talking about you know enormous number. We say we see a figure like billions of people. When we see unbelievers, we are talking about multitudes who are without God and without hope in the world. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse number 12. Ephesians chapter 2 verse number 12. That at the time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. There are so many of them in this world that have no Christ, that have no God, are not part of the promise of God. And some of them are religious people. They join religion. They are in religion. And many of them. <coughs> and a lot of them are respectable people. And many of them, even church goers, they come Sunday. They are meeting with Christians. They're meeting with people who are citizens of heaven. And many of them also have never even heard of the Lord. Those people who, you know, shut themselves out of, you know, the things of God. And these are, you know, uh, comprised of billions of people. But in Ephesians chapter 2, notice this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 1. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 1, it says, And you have the quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And we see here the description of this kind of people. The description of those people who do not have Christ in their lives. The strategy and the objective of the devil, as far as the unsaved are concerned, can be summed up uh, by these three words. First, um, what he does is um, he employs detention. He uses darkness and destruction. Every unregenerate, or I'm talking about the unsaved person, a person that does not have Christ in his, in his life, every unregenerate person is a captive of the devil. He is, he is under his mercy. Yep. He is under his, his power. Yep. 
And again, it speaks about the, um, the dispersion in verse number 2 and 3 of in the book of Ephesians. Again, verse number 3, I will read uh, here. Among whom also you, you all, we all had our conversation in times past, in the last of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and whereby nature, the children of wrath, even as others. And if we compare this to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 26, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 26, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him and his will. Again, there are so many reasons why these people are not saved. In my observation, uh, as a pastor for um, like 13 years now, I see these things happening. Why people are not saved? And few of the reasons here I listed. First, I noticed that people who are carnal and have great affections to simple things, and would refuse to turn to Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. It's so hard for them to be saved. And that's one reason. Another reason is that why people are not saved? Because people who are deluded to believe a lie. They, they are just sold out to a, to a certain dogma. They are just sold out to certain doctrines of the church or doctrines of religion. They are sold out to communism. They are, they are sold out to Roman Catholicism. They are sold out to, you know, the, the Eastern religions um, doctrine. And no one can change their mind. They are sold out to Jehovah's Witnesses. They are just deluded to believe a lie. Yep. Another, another set of people is that people who are, you know, they don't mind to come to church, be part of the church. They don't mind, but when they come to church and about to join the church, they see certain defects of a church. And from there, they decided to scrap all the things of God altogether. Because church people are, you know, hypocrites. Church people are not real. And all those kind of things that you can see in some of the people in the church. And it's because of that, they harden their hearts. And they don't want to be a part. And they don't want to think about God. They scrap the Bible. They don't want to, to touch the Bible. They don't want to read the Bible. And they will just live their lives without God. And that, those are just few of the reasons why. But again, behind all of this, is Satan That's is right. working. Satan uses detention. People are taken captive. They are detained. They cannot get out from that uh, condition. And Satan also uses darkness. He uses darkness. Why? He's the prince of darkness. What does he do? That's his, you know, forte. That's his uh, expertise. He uses darkness as the prince of darkness. He loves to keep souls in darkness. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 3 to 5. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, 
should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants. For Jesus said, Satan blinded the minds of those people in the past, and he is blinding the minds of the people at present. And he is about to blind those people also that will come to this earth, so that they will never see the gospel. That is what Satan's doing. He will he, he uses darkness, he uses detention, and also he uses destruction. Because that's what he is. For the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's his mastery. Satan is planning the everlasting destruction of human souls. And only those who trust in Christ are saved. Only those people who run to Christ for salvation are saved. That's right. So the method Satan uses with that saying. Now, notice also, secondly, the method he uses with the church and God's work. As we understand that the church of God, the church, the real church I'm talking about, is the bulwark of righteousness in the world today. Yep. This is the place, we, this is the place where God's righteousness should be conspicuous. This is the place where God, you know, is moving in righteousness in the hearts of the people around us. This is the place. But consequently, the devil hates the church. Of course, he will hate it. Because everything that's supposed to be done in the church will always, will, will, uh, will always go against him. And it's because of that, uh, he, he treated the church as an enemy. Satan is also waging war against the church. But sadly, sadly, many so-called Christians shared his, his, uh, uh, his um, sentiment. Them and Satan have something in common. And that is to undermine the word of God. Now, Satan's strategy here so far, as, a, as you can see from the church uh, point of view, this can be summed up by three words also. Number one is division. Number two is diversion. Number three is desaffection. And this is what he's going to do. God loves unity. Satan hates it because that will go uh, in favor of the church. That will go in favor of God. So he hates unity. He likes division. God loves uh, adding people to the church. He wants people to come to church. He wants all people to come and, and, and listen to God and come together as one in the church. He wants people to come to church and then multiply. God loves addition and adding people to the church. In the book of Acts, you can find that the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. The Lord added to the church 3,000 souls. And other times, multitudes were added to the church. And then people multiplied big numbers by thousands. 
While God loves adding people to the church, Satan loves to subtract the church. Yep. While God loves to multiply the church, Satan comes to divide the church. He's always in the opposite side. He's always against the will of God. And you see here, the Lord Jesus Christ prayed that we might all be one. You can see that in his prayer in the book of John 17. He prayed to the Father that we all will be one. And again, that prayer is still in effect today. But time will come that all of us will be one. Right now, perhaps, there are uh, several of us. Maybe we have different views. We have different mindset. We have different things. We, have, we understand things a different way. But when Jesus Christ will come, all of us will have uniformity in our minds. That's right. All of us will be one. Because yeah. that is the uh, in, in fulfillment of God's or the Lord Jesus Christ's prayer in the book of John 17. And again, the Lord loves it when people come in unity. Acts chapter 2, verse number 1. Acts chapter 2, verse number 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. One accord in one place. We are talking about thousands of people here. But they are in one place. I don't know how far those people live in, uh, in that part of the world, but they come together in one place. And in Acts chapter 2, verse number 46, it said, And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple. And breaking bread from house to house, they need their need with gladness and singleness of heart. You see, they, they come together not just every Sunday morning, not just every Sunday evening, not just Wednesday, but they come together every single day, daily. Wow, this is this is um, um, a reason why they are they they they, they saturated the whole of. Um, Jerusalem and the whole part there of Judea uh, with, the, with the gospel because look at these people. This is not just pastor working work. These are all people in the church. They come together with one accord in the temple. In Acts chapter 4 verse 32. Acts chapter 4 verse 32. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. There's no division whatsoever. Everyone will just agree. When, the, when someone will say, ah, let's prepare food for everyone. Yes, let's go. Let's go ahead and prepare food. Let's gather in the side. Oh, let's go ahead and uh, what? They are just like one. Thousands of people that they, they, they move as one. The multitude of them. They cannot even number them. 3,000, they can still number it. 4,000, they can still number it. 5,000, they can still number it. But here, they could not number it. Multitude. But this multitude acted as one. They were of tremendous unity. They were winning on every front. They had victory in their church. They had victory in their homes. They had victory in their neighborhood. Yep. And people got saved. Yep. Souls got saved. Even religious priests 
got saved. If, yeah. you, if you read that in the book of Acts, the priests got saved. And that is the effect of unity. But why God loves unity, Satan hates it. And he yeah, loves division. That's right. He wants to cause diversion also. Not just division, but also diversion. What is that, Pastor? That is where the devil, you know, wants people to absorb with secondary and secular things. He wants this church not to proclaim the gospel, but do as a charity. Charity. I remember yeah. that big uh, group there, the Salvation Army, before they were preaching the gospel and very strong in the gospel. But they, have, they, are, they are still preaching now, but most of their job right now is selling clothing and housing people, but which is good because it helps humanity. But the gospel, you go to Salvation Army, you cannot hear the gospel preaching. Yeah. You can buy secondhand t-shirts, but there is no preaching with the gospel. Yeah. That, this is Satan's working. It's not bad. It's not, it's not really wrong at all. But you can see this is Satan's tactic. If not division, diversion. Be careful. We, will, we should be careful in our church that uh, sometime maybe in the future, if the Lord will, will, will give us like increase of people, that the Lord will be selling cars as a ministry. Later on, we'll be, we'll be selling perfume as a ministry. I, I, that should not be right. We should preach the gospel yeah. in every every occasion. Yeah. Because that is exactly what the, the people, the first church in Jerusalem um, um, was doing. They preached the gospel, and not just the pastor, not just the deacons, not just the, uh, the, the men here that's working in the temple, but also every person that sits in the pew. They come to church, they listen, and they go home and talk to their neighbors about Jesus Christ. Yep. That's why multitude can say yep. that is multiplication. And that is what God wants. God wants unity. But the devil wants and loves division. And the devil loves diversion. And the next thing that the devil wants is this affection. One of the most subtle methods of the devil is to upset the work of God in sowing the, uh, the seed of discord among God's people. You can find that exactly. What, 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 does, what does it mean? In, uh, I think in Acts chapter 6, verse number 2. Acts chapter 6, verse number 1 and 2. Let's go there. And this is not yet seen at this stage, but it will become a big problem later on. And notice here, and in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, and this is what really, uh, what I said a while ago, that God loves multiplication in the people in the church. There arose a murmuring of the Christians against the Hebrews. Because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. It is not good and it's not reason that our church 
will just be feeding people with bacterial food. It's not good that each one of us, okay, this group will go to uh, the west part and distribute food for the houses there, and this, this, this group will distribute food. I think that is not what God wants them to do. And this is what the apostles are saying. It's not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Because that is what the devil wants. But again, he is sowing discord. He is beginning to, you know, put division among the people. Oh, uh, you are, you are, uh, you are Christian, you are Greek, uh, you, you should stay this way. Uh, you are uh, Hebrew, you should stay this way. No, that should not be the case. He wants this affection among these people. It is all too easy for any Christian, almost unconsciously, that uh, to become the tool of the devil in this way. That we, we allow ourselves to be used by God to be the ones that cause division in the church. You should not pick people up. Okay, you are on my side, okay? What about you? Are you on my side? What, what about you? Are you on my side? You should not do that in the church. That is wrong and that is demonic and that is diminished because it's coming from the devil to cause division in the church. We are all one people. Whatever our nationality may be, whatever our language may be, we are all one people. We should love as brethren. There is no, you know, preferring of one another. We should love as brothers and sisters in the Lord. And the devil is working that in the churches. That is why we Christians, we should be careful in our, in our position in the church. We should be careful in our, you know, uh, what we are doing in the church. Whether that will cause eventually that serving Satan um, in our ministry. We have to guard ourselves. Put on the whole armor of God. God said, you have put that, you know, a fit shot in the preparation of the gospel of peace, that girdle of truth, that breastplate of righteousness, that uh, helmet of salvation, that sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and prayer. All this armor of God should be worn. All of this um, should be worn at all times. Because the devil is after us. He is trying to uh, do things um, without us noticing it. Number three, the devil, the devil's method also is with the individual believer. He is working against the individual believer. The whole strategy of Satan in relation to the individual Christian may be summed up in these two words. Number one, disobedience. And secondly, defeat. He just needs that. He needs that in every individual believer. To be disobedient to God, and then later on, it's easy for him to, to, to give him the defeat. Satan is the great tempter, and he wants to make us disobey the Lord and keep us half hearted in the ministry, half hearted towards God, yep. half hearted towards the work of yep. God. Many Christians are half hearted yep. in the church, they are half hearted in the word of God, yep. half hearted in the ministry. And later on, you will find it. They are in a big, big problem. Are you half-hearted this morning? 
I wonder if Satan is working. And this is what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 3 because half hearted Christians have no good hope in the future. They have no good uh, prospects of the future. Half-hearted is equally the same with lukewarm. And because thou art lukewarm, I will spill thee out of my mouth. I will spill thee, God said. You cannot be acceptable to God if you are half-hearted Christians. Half-hearted Christians do not have assurance of the future. The future is against the half-hearted Christians. That is why we have to make our stand. We have to make our soul with regard to the will of God. Every time the Lord calls us to obey Him, our adversary will come next to you and will say, Disobey Him. Our adversary will call us to disobey the Lord. And thus, every single day, we have to make the choice. Make your choice. Every single day, decide. Sometimes I feel upset. Sometimes I feel discouraged. Sometimes I feel offended. And I pray and I say to the Lord, Lord, I have decided not to be offended. I have decided not to be offended. People will leave our church. I have decided not to be offended because, you know, we are here as to help them. We are here, here to help people. We are not here to destroy people. We are here to help one another. If they benefit from our help, praise the Lord. And if they leave us, praise the Lord. You know, that is God's leading. But I tell you, we have to make a decision every single day. Lord, I have decided not to be offended. Whatever happens, Lord, I will not be offended. Make your choice. Serve the Lord. If, if, if it's for you to decide to serve the Lord, then serve the Lord. If it's time for you to lead the ministry, it's up to you. Joshua said in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, is that, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your fathers that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. If you put this in our context, in our, in our personal life, for those of you who can say here in our ministry, then the Lord is speaking to you and say, do you want to serve the gods that before you came to this place? The gods that you were serving before you arrived in this place? Or you want to serve the gods of this place? The gods of New Zealand? New Zealand has gods maybe. Money is their god. There are a lot of things that they, they, they put, you know, in between them and God. Many of them cannot come to church because a lot of uh, things there that's before them. That's their god. But here, he said, whether the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. You have to make that determination. You have to make that decision to serve the Lord. Because, my friend, you will be facing God with your decision. Satan wants you to disobey God. Satan wants you to, you know, go away from the will of God. 
Because the next thing that he wants to do, once you disobey God, the next thing will come to your life. And that is defeat. That is his mastery. That is Satan's, you know, um, art. The art of defeat. As Christians, we no longer belong to the devil. But we, we belong to the Lord by virtue of his redemption. And praise the Lord for his salvation. The Bible says, What do you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? You do not belong to yourself. Everything that you think your own does not belong to you. It belongs to God. Even your time, even your talent, even your treasure, even your family, your tribe, it belongs to God. Nothing belongs to you. God just makes you as an overseer or God makes you as a, a steward. You are just God's, um, you know, a manager of your life. You don't belong to yourself. That's, that's as far as 1 Corinthians 6, 19 um, and verse number 20 says. For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So Christ owns us. The Lord Jesus Christ, you know, um, um, purchases us and owns us, but Satan still seeks our defeat. Even though we are saved, but Satan is still working so that your salvation will not mean anything. Your salvation will not affect anyone. That is his working in every Christian's life. The devil wants to work. The devil wants to defeat. Although he cannot rob us of heaven because there's nothing he can do about it. When we die, we all go to heaven if you are saved. But while you are still alive, Satan will try his best to rob you from that heavenly experience that God wants you to enjoy while here on earth. Yep. In Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse number 18 to 21, you will find there that God has this instruction. God wants uh, all of us, you know, to follow his commands because at the end of this, not heaven, but here on earth, you will experience heavenly treasure. You will experience great things upon earth. Notice that in verse 21. That your days may be multiplied and the days of your, uh, of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. The Lord will bless your, uh, your life. The Lord will bless your children and your family if you follow the Lord. Even here on earth. That is why Satan cannot prevent us from reaching heaven. But Satan can work his way to bring that defeat in your life, even though you are bound to go to heaven. That is why we need to be careful because even though we are already uh, bound to go to heaven, but we can still suffer the loss of the reward if we were not careful about our life. These are the ways in which Satan works. So therefore, we Christians must do something to prevent Satan from getting things his way. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8, you can find here the, you know, 
the way how to fight back or how to prepare ourselves in order for us to win against Satan's working. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8, he said, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, uh, walking about, seeking whom you may devour. So Apostle Peter finds this very important for all of us to be sober. Be sober in verse number 8. That means be serious in your Christian life. Be serious in your, in your devotion to God. Do not take the things of God lightly because that's what Adam and Eve did. They, they took the, um, the word of God so lightly. Now we are, we are told to be serious in our spiritual life. Be serious in our church. Be serious in your devotion. Be serious in your ministry. Do not give place to the devil. Remember that Satan and all his minions are ordained to lose. Do not join their camp. They are going to lose. While Satan's days are numbered, on the other hand, the Lord Jesus Christ was appointed to win. And He won. He won at Calvary. And that victory also is ours. And we, His people, are on the winning side. That means we are meant to, to win over our enemy, over against Satan. That is why we have to put this right, right perspective in our mind. That we are on the right side, we are on the winning side. Whatever happens to this world, whatever happens, though this world will crumble, we know where we are going. We know that um, we are safe in that in the um, that the future is in our favor. Be sober. That means be serious. Be vigilant. How to be vigilant, Pastor? To be vigilant, you have to check your spiritual temperature. Check your spiritual temperature. If you are not excited about the word of God and prayer, oh, that's a red, red flag. That is a red flag. You have no appetite at all. When it, when, when it comes to the word of God, you will feel like you have no appetite. When it comes to prayer, oh, you become so tired to pray. Oh, be careful with that. That is the temperature that that is dangerous um, place for every Christian. If you are not joyful in the things of God, when we, when we talk about the church, you are not joyful. You are not excited about it. You are not happy. I will tell you, my friend, that um, uh, lockdown really tested my appetite. Oh, how much I love the church. When that lockdown happened, and we cannot come together, we cannot come to worship God. It breaks my heart. And how I wish that we can come again. And that was very hard to bear. But if you feel like, oh, I'm okay, it's, 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 it's still good, it's still fine. Oh, be careful, that is the temperature that is not right. Watch your spiritual temperature. When the church is open and you are not there, I will tell you the Lord will shut the church for you. Israel, when they refused to hallow the seventh, the seventh day, I mean the seventh day, the Sabbath day, the Lord took all of those um, um, seventh days for 400 years. 
that they were not able to worship. They were not able to experience that. Because the Lord knows it. That these people, they don't have joy. They are not excited about me. They are not serving me with joy and gladness of heart. Then all this evil will come to them. If you are not joyful in the things of God, be careful. And when you begin to gain affection with the worldly things, be careful. Satan is snaking his way in your life to take hold of you. You must check every time, check your spiritual temperature. Are you excited to come to church? Are you excited to come to the Young People's Program? Are you excited to come in the service in the evening? Are you excited about the Word of God? If you are not excited about it, and you feel like, oh, Sunday again, and you become burdened to come to church, be vigilant, be careful with that kind of temperature. Because you are now perhaps in the brinks. You are in the brinks. And a little push, you are down. Satan is taking you to the brink. Be vigilant. And again, go back to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 9 this time. Verse number 9, it says, Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same affection are accomplished in your brothers, brethren that are in the world. Develop your resistance. Develop your resistance. How to resist, Pastor? How to resist? There are some temptations that are so strong. But I will tell you, what, however strong is that, you can resist them. You can, you, God is equipping you to resist them. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 10, verse number 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you shall be able to bear it. God, you know, program there that the temptation that will come your way will not suffocate you. The Lord programs, and in fact, every temptation that comes, there is an exit. One pastor said when he was in the middle of temptation and he could not resist the temptation and he feels like he's going to, 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 to disobey God, it's so hard to resist. And he said, Lord, please help me. Where is the exit? Lord, help me to find the exit. I want to get out from this situation. Help me to find the exit. Because every, every um, temptation, my friend, there is an exit. No one in this world is pushed to sin. When you commit sin, you do it volitionally. It's your decision to, make, to, to commit sin. And you see, the Lord equips us with the ability to get out of the situation by will. That means deep within you, you have decided not to commit that sin. We must give Satan no place. We must give him no place. We must stand against him. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 5. Ephesians 4 25, wherefore putting away lying, speaking with my truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Never give place to the devil. 
Even in our little things, do not allow that Satan will take hold of us. Even in our righteous anger, do not allow that Satan will take hold of us. Even though you are on the right, do not allow that Satan can, can take hold of you. James chapter 4, verse number 7. James chapter 4, verse number 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. See, God is providing us all this armory, all this equipment to stand against the wiles of the devil. Develop your resistance. And number four, Peter advises us to be strong, not in your might, to be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. First Peter chapter 5, verse number 9. Sorry, chapter 5, verse number 9. It says, Whom resisted even in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Be strong in the Lord. Stand fast in the faith. You have no power of your own. You cannot win against the devil by your own. Because he is far more stronger than you are. But praise God that God is stronger than him. That is why we can fight against him, not in our own mind, but in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. He said uh, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Be strong. Number five here at last, have a right mindset. Have a right mindset. Go back to our text, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9. Who resist <clears throat> steadfast in the faith, knowing, that's the word there, knowing <clears throat> that the, the same affection are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. We must remember that we all go through these trials. Do not get discouraged. One person I know, when he turned to God after living in sin and, and, and lived a righteous living, no God, no Bible, no prayer, no songs of the saints, no hymns, nothing there, no Christian people around him, and then one day he decided to turn to God. When he turned to God, he experienced a lot of problems. He, he, he lost his job. His, his children got sick. And he has no money to pay the hospital. And all these problems now, he thinks about this and said, before I came to God, before I turned to God, my life was okay. Before I turned to God, I have all this money. I didn't, I didn't have this kind of problem. And he decided to leave God. No, this is not right. Uh, before, before I became a Christian, my, my, my finances are okay. Now that I am a Christian, I am very poor. I, have, I, have, I, cannot, I cannot pay my, my rent. And all those uh, problems that came to him. And he decided to leave God. And that, that is sad if that happens to anyone. But I will tell you, my friend, here you have to understand. Know this 
mind that when you serve the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall suffer persecution. You shall suffer affliction. Again, notice here, verse number 9, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. We must remember that we all go through trials. Do not get discouraged when afflictions and hardships come. Do not get discouraged. Therefore, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Condition your mind and know that trials will come and trials will go. But make sure that um, you are doing the will of God in every circumstance in your life. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So Satan will use all these methods. He uses methods to that same. He uses methods with the, with the church and God's word. And he uses methods with the individual believer. But whatever Satan uses, my friend, though effective as they are, but it won't work when Christ is on our side. The Lord will pull us through. The Lord will make us victorious because He is victorious and we are His people. That is why the victory is ours. Last verse in 1 Corinthians chapter um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse number 55 verse number 54 so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Amen. Oh, death, where is thy Amen. sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. This power is prayer. Our Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for the victory that you have uh, given to us. Thank you, Lord, that you are on our side. Lord, our enemy is strong and much stronger than than we are. But Lord, we thank you because you are on our side and you are stronger than him. Lord, with that victory, we can rejoice every single moment. We can rejoice in you every single day. And we can continue, Lord, with joy, with gladness of our heart that we know, O oh God, that you are on our side. Bless, Lord, our devotion. Bless our, our, our worship. Bless, Lord, everything that we do for your name's sake. Because, Lord, um, you will give us and you will take us to that time of uh, rejoicing and victory in the time to come. And we, Lord, uh, ask you to please uh, guide every single individual in our church. Lord, help us to make that decision for you. Help us, Lord, to follow your will and that, Lord, to obey you in every uh, circumstance in our life. That, Lord, Satan cannot take hold of us. And, Lord... 
bless everything that we do and the work of our hands. Please, Lord, prosper your people. And Lord, we thank you for the victory today. We give you back the honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand and let's um, sing the final hymn.